Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have just watched the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games like many of you. Who are the top four prospects out of those Elite 8 teams? We'll tell you in just a bit. You are locked on the NBA Draft. My name is Sam Ferris. I am one of your hosts. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my friend, and the other member of the Draft Dummies. How's it going for you this afternoon, co-host Cody? It's going awesome. Been watching March Madness. Uh, Can't complain about that. Today, Sam and I are going to talk about his top four prospects of the Elite Eight. Then we're going to get into some hot takes surrounding the prospects, the tournament, maybe the NBA. And then at the end, we're going to play a little buy or sell on some March Madness second round NBA prospects. So some prospects we think are probably second round to undrafted, and we're going to decide whether we think they're going to stick in the NBA or not. All right, so let's get into who are the top four prospects that we just watched in the Elite Eight the last few days. Uh, Cody, do you want to start at the top or do you want to start at the bottom of that list? Give me number four first for you. Okay, so at four is a guy we covered pretty recently. He plays for Arkansas. So for me, it's uh, at number four is Moses Moody. He is the sharpshooting, pretty big wing out of Arkansas. Uh, now, Cody, for those who might have seen Moses Moody for the first time, he had one of his more uh, rough outings against Oral Roberts where some some of his deficiencies, I would say, were on display and were a bit glaring. He struggled to finish around the rim and kind of lost confidence in his jumper. But we've talked about this before, Cody. Teams and players, uh, teams and front offices, I should say, have overreacted to small sample sizes in the tournament before. And I'm not going to do that uh, You and I both talked about how much we love Moses Moody and his fit in the NBA. I think he's going to be a fantastic shooter. And so for me, I still really like him as a prospect, and I've got him at number four on this list. Yeah, I think the glaring thing in that game was some of the confidence and just the indecisiveness. He also goes very long stretches without asserting himself into the game. Uh, He's played with really good high school teammates. His DNA is kind of a role player, and that's what I really like him as at the NBA level. Someone that's going to defend, use his length, bother opposing offensive players, and then he's going to stretch the floor and uh, show off that pretty jump shot of his. So I'm with you. Didn't really concern me. I don't see him as a go-to guy anyways at the next level. Much more of a role player, and I think he'll thrive at that at the next level. Yeah, with those negatives we saw, though, there have some, been some positives in the tournament. He's taken more jumpers off the dribble, getting to his shot from the mid-range, and that has looked really nice at times. That's something that I really wanted to see throughout the year. And yeah, we buy him as that ready-made role player that is going to continue to improve. And just those big wings that can shoot are very, very valuable, and he should just fit right into the modern NBA. So I've got him at number four. At number three on my list, Cody, is a guy that 
looked really good recently in the tournament. Uh, that is Franz Wagner. Again, kind of a big multi-tooled wing or you know perimeter player. Kind of embodies this positionless modern NBA. I love the tools that he brings at his size. He's got good physical tools, good functional athleticism, makes great decisions. He's one of those guys, Cody, that just makes... I know it's just, you know, a phrase that gets tossed around too often, but he makes his teammates better both offensively and defensively, kind of a facilitator, high IQ, high feel, good physical tools, another guy that fits in the modern NBA and takes nothing off the table. I really like what I've seen from him, and I've liked him kind of more than most uh, going back for over a year now, and he's at number three on that list for me. Is that a surprise for you, Cody, that I have him above Moses Moody? Well, I thought you might have him higher on this list just because I know you're such a big fan. And, uh, yeah, he kind of reminds me, again, not uh, in playing style, just reminds me of Devin Vassell in that their numbers don't pop off the screen. But when you watch them play and you see their skill set and their overall potential, uh, you like them much more as a prospect you know, than their 11, 12 points per game uh, would suggest. Yeah, and he's flashed some skills all year long, but they've been on display in the tournament where he can grab a rebound and take it the distance, you know, with a very good handle and and ability to move on the perimeter for his size and then find guys. He's going to be really good attacking closeouts. He was left off the all Big Ten defensive team, which is pretty much just a joke. He was such a good defensive player for Michigan this year, and I think that'll translate to the next level. Uh, but now we'll move to the top two, who I think most would assume we're locked into the top two here, and that is the case. Before we get there, though, Cody, I posted a poll on Twitter because uh, I wanted to see who, you know, the consensus, what the consensus was on Suggs versus Mobley at this point in time, because I think it's something that has shifted lately. Uh, did you see that poll that I posted, Cody? I did not see the final results. Okay, well, I want you to take your guess. What do you think kind of the NBA and draft Twitter, where do you think they fall as of right now in terms of how many voted for Suggs versus Mobley? As of right now, I would think Mobley has taken that uh, competition. I think earlier on, Suggs had a little bit more hype across Twitter and the media world. But as of their play recently, I would guess that Mobley uh, took the larger percentage of that poll. Yeah, that's correct. He won like two thirds of the vote. So 67% to like 33%. And that was pretty in line with what I expected. And Cody, you, you hit on it that Suggs performance, especially his raw numbers have been a little bit down lately. So I'll give you a couple numbers kind of to chew on that. I think that, you know, NBA and draft Twitter took into account when evaluating these two players. So Jalen Suggs from three now, Cody, over the course of the season is now below 33%. And even worse, if you look from Christmas, it's down around 26%, which is a bit of a worry. So for me, the two worries with Suggs are how real is the shooting? And then is it the case that Gonzaga, just how good they are, has made Suggs maybe look a little bit better than he is? Uh, but to kind of cut to the chase, Cody, I still have Suggs number one, so I'm a little against the grain there. Where do you land kind of on those worries with Suggs, and where do you have him compared to Mobley right now? 
So I have him behind Mobley. The things that have concerned me with Jalen Suggs, and I still think Suggs, Suggs is a top five pick. We're just comparing him to the other top five right now. Um, the shooting, like you said, I thought it was a little bit of fool's gold early on in the year. I believe it was a Kansas or Iowa game. I can't remember off the top of my head now where he hit numerous threes off the dribble, and that really got the hype train going. Uh, but one, the shooting, yep, I don't think it's as consistent as we thought it was. I, I will say I really like the form. Uh, I really like the potential off the dribble. It's somewhere where he'll improve, but it's a concern. And then sometimes in the half court, him being able to create. Uh, if Gonzaga has a weakness, it's that if Timmy isn't really going on the block, uh, sometimes they have a hard time or one guy has a hard time of really creating something from nothing. Uh, They're just so good as a team overall that they've been blowing teams out anyways. But I would like to see Suggs really beat his man, manipulate the defense, and uh, just create open looks and highlight passes uh, for his teammates. I just haven't seen it as much as I thought. But I will say at the NBA level, it's actually a little bit easier with more space. The defense can't touch guys really anymore Uh, I think he'll he'll do better at that at the next level but those have been some of my concerns I have Mobley in front of him for me to put some more numbers to Suggs's shooting you touched on his shooting off the bounce he's still really good there he's still like 97th percentile for all college basketball players this year shooting off the dribble it's really the shooting off the catch that has been a bit more of a concern So just with those numbers off the dribble, we've seen that recently with a couple other prospects that we've evaluated in the last few years. I think that'll come around. Do I think he'll be an elite shooter? Probably not, but I still buy the positional defense with him. I buy the intangibles uh, and I buy the efficient offensive player with good physical tools. Uh, And just the guy that makes winning plays too. I I just think that's going to be something that carries over. There was one play that kind of stuck out to me from their Sweet 16 game where it looked like two or three Creighton players for sure were going to get the rebound. And Suggs, you know, with those instincts, comes out of nowhere, gets a fingertip on the ball and knocks it off of two Creighton players. And Mark Few was ecstatic on the sideline, just pointing at Suggs. Uh, He was stoked. And those are the plays that I feel like Suggs does have that potential to reach that creator level player. But I think... You know, even if he hits below what an average outcome might be for him, I still think he's like a fourth or fifth player on a championship team that can still really help you, right? And so the difference there is with Mobley just being a center exclusively, you know, a big in today's modern NBA, I love him. I really love Mobley as a prospect. You know, for comparison, I think we both agree that we much prefer him over like Wiseman from last year. It's just that if he doesn't hit above his average outcome and he's kind of like, you know, like a 10th to 15th best center in the NBA, that just doesn't quite have enough value compared to what I think Suggs can reach. So they're in the same tier for me. They're very, very, very close. They're practically tied. I just have him like a hair above Mobley kind of for those reasons. Gotcha. I like it. And Coming up next, we are going to get into some hot takes revolving college basketball and March Madness. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? 
Locked On has partnered with Michelob Ultra to bring you the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob believes joy creates success, and boy has De'Aaron Fox had some joy this past week where he's averaged nearly 37 points per game and has the Sacramento Kings back into the playoff race. Michelob has some stats of their own. With only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you can dominate like De'Aaron. Remember, enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week goes to the Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Cody. So we've got some hot takes that we want to get off our chest. I think we've each got one or two here. So we'll take turns sharing a hot take, and then the other one of us will kind of grade just how hot of a take that is and whether we agree with it. So, Cody, I will let you take the floor. Can you give me your first hot take that you want to get off your chest here? So, uh, obviously, could be wrong about this. It is a hot take. But I think potentially, after Evan Mobley, Jay Huff might have the most successful NBA career for the centers in this class. On a scale of not hot to scorching hot, I'd say that's just below scorching hot. Not the hottest take I've heard, but certainly not one that I expected, and I, I, I really like it. Now, give me your, your rationale behind that take. Well, I just see a roadmap kind of for him to do that. Uh, he can stretch the floor and shoot the three, which you know every team is looking for in their five. And then he's got some sneaky athleticism and coordination for his size. He's listed at seven feet one. I think, I believe, three and a half blocks per 36 minutes. Uh, I think if he can provide some rim protection with that uh, height and length and then stretch the floor on the other end, I just think he can be a serviceable center, someone you'll never throw to in the block. Uh, He does a good job of catching lobs, actually, showing some coordination. Virginia fans know that he likes to catch some of those lobs and finish with a reverse dunk. Uh, So I just see his kind of play style – leading to a productive role for a team uh, long-term. Again, don't think he'll ever be an all-star or anything like that. I just think uh, he's got some interesting tools and skills for a modern-day center. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because last year when we evaluated the draft, there were a lot more centers projected to be picked kind of late first, early second, especially a lot of freshman centers. This year, when you look at the centers list, list of prospects, you know, considered to be centers after Evan Mobley. Uh, Isaiah Jackson is one. And then Alperin Shangun uh, from Turkey is another that I like. Um, I'm assuming you don't consider Kai Jones to be kind of a center in this exercise, right, Cody? I did not for this exercise, but that is an interesting point because he could absolutely play the center role for a certain team. Uh But yeah, considering more college basketball centers, I did not include him in this uh, idea or thought. So yeah, I mean, I can get behind that. I think I would still have Shangun and Isaiah Jackson above him, but that's a pretty hot take and uh, not one that I have heard. so, So I appreciate that one. I will move to mine now, Cody. And this 
involves a couple of guys we've watched recently in the tournament. So I prefer Davion Mitchell to Jared Butler as a prospect. So comparing those two guards from Butler, I know, or from Baylor, excuse me, I know most people prefer Jared Butler. I prefer Davion Mitchell. Uh, and then on top of that, Cody, I still, you know, when we're looking at these smaller defensive guards, I still prefer Miles McBride to both of those guys. Now, that might be kind of a hot take for some. Uh, how hot of a take is that to you, Cody? And where do you land on that? Well, what's funny is I almost had the exact same uh, take <laughs> with Mitchell and Butler. I decided to scratch it for the JF one. Uh, so that's pretty funny. But I don't I don't blame you for the Miles McBride take. He has flassome shooting ability and if he can be 85 percent of the shooter that davian mitchell is give me mcbride all day with his defense and physicality uh so yeah i'd say you know compared to other people you and me think pretty similar similarly so it's not as much of a hot take for me but i'd say that's getting up there uh that uh you would take mcbride over both of those guys yeah, and to your point about the shooting, you know, Davion Mitchell has had a, a, an outstanding shooting season, but that hasn't been the case throughout his career. And I tend to value, I think, a little bit more than you, Cody, uh, just youth. And so one of the things that I've kind of looked at and one thing that I kind of go by is beware a little bit of the third-year breakout in terms of a guy that struggles a little bit his first two years, but then breaks out his third or maybe his senior year in college. To me, that just indicates a little bit that that guy has gained confidence against, you know, playing against college level players, that he's just reached a level of comfort playing against those guys. But that won't necessarily translate to the next level. And if you look at kind of their trajectory, Miles McBride was a, a much better player as a freshman. Obviously, Mitchell transferred uh, from Auburn. And so I just like the trajectory McBride's on a little better, and I think he's a little bit better of an athlete. Uh, again, that's a bit of a hot take that I like him over those two guy guards from Baylor, but that's one that I am going to stick by. Yeah, I like it. And like you said, Mitchell slashing around 52-45 shooting splits this year. Uh, really excited to watch Baylor finish out the tournament. All right, do you got another one for me, Cody? Yeah, so for some Cade truthers, this would be a hot take. Maybe not so hot for others. Cade is still my number one player on my board. I still think he'll be the best player in this class. I just don't think it's uh, ridiculous to say that Jalen Green could potentially be the best player in this class. So when you say that, are you considering moving Jalen Green into the same kind of tier or are you saying he might be on par with him or are you more so saying, you know, his higher end outcomes might be more valuable than Cade's? More is higher end outcome. I think that there's more question marks uh, with Green and we all know how rock steady and just solid of a player Cade is. So I don't think I would put Green in his tier, but yeah, his highest outcome just with his athleticism. And if he can really get that uh, shot making off the dribble, some of the flashes he's shown in the G League, if he can get that consistently, uh, I just don't I don't blame people for having him above Cade. A lot of people uh, do not like seeing Cade not 
in the number one spot. Again, I have Cade there, but I, I wouldn't blame anyone if they think uh, because green ceiling is so high uh, that if they I don't blame them for having him number one. And I do think there is a world where he becomes by far and away the best player from this class. Yeah, we talked about that on that episode about Jalen Green. But when looking at the athleticism, now the thing that that uh, Cade does have is the positional size at 6'8". But Jalen Green's explosiveness and athleticism would put him in a unique tier, even in the NBA. And just with that shot creation ability that we saw and we've talked about, plus that athleticism and just how good he looked in the G League bubble, I don't blame you at all there. Now, that's why I, too, have him as the number two prospect on my board. Might be a hot take to some, I would say for sure, but not really to me. Um, So I'll move on to my final hot take here. This is a guy we talked about recently, and I just wanted to get this off of my chest because I don't think I was confident enough in how I said this because James Booknight is a guy that I liked before a lot of people did going back to last year, but now a lot of people have him top 10, and I've seen him even top eight. I've seen some people have him higher, and I don't blame them. Like I understand the angles that they're coming from, but for me, Cody, personally, I don't view him as a lottery pick. How hot of a take is that to you? Uh, for me, I don't mind because I kind of have him late lottery to even in the 20s, kind of that range. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people that would disagree with you on that one. All right, so coming up next, we are going to talk about a couple second-round prospects that have been playing in March Madness, and we're going to do a quick segment where we go buy or sell on those two guys to decide kind of where we're at on them now and whether we do view them, in fact, as NBA players. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie Low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is mint brownie versus caramel brownie. Now, personally, I'm a fan of mint, so that is the direction that I would go. But... Go to BuiltBar.com or Bar underscore Built on Twitter to vote on today's matchup. And remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who did, in fact, win today's matchup and who will become the greatest tasting protein bar. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, March Madness, NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. It has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, bet online has you covered for all new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Use promo code locked on for discounts and to let them know you came from us. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with 
the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Yes, that is us. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, Sam, for this final segment here on buy or sell, are we buying or selling them as an NBA player at all, as in they might sit on the bench for a lengthy career, or are we buying and selling them as a contributor to a team, whether that's a starter or off the bench? Um, I think for this exercise, we'll mostly discuss whether you buy them as being worthy to be selected in the second round. But of course we can get a little more nuanced. We can discuss these guys a little bit. Uh, But I think to start, we'll just say whether we view them as worthy to be selected and then we can kind of go from there. So who is the first kind of fringe second round March Madness prospect that you wanted to bring up, Cody? Uh, Do you buy or sell Joel Ayayi? (laughs) <laughs> he was one of the two guys on my list as well. So I buy him for sure as a draft pick. I would draft him in the second round. So I buy him there. Now, the of course, the next question is what kind of a role could I see him playing at the next level and for how long? Cody, what I love about him is he's found a way to contribute and he's developed at Gonzaga. I love a guard that can rebound, but especially I love a guard that actually adds value as a rebounder where I've gone back and watched a lot of film on him. And we're both guys that grew up in Spokane. So we watch a lot of Gonzaga, his nose for the ball. I love how he gets after the offensive glass when he can. And I just love a guy like this who plays for a great team, but finds ways to fill in, in the cracks and make a really good team special. And I think I, he's done that. So I think we should certainly start by appreciating him as the fantastic you know, supporting college player that he has become. Uh, what do you view him in terms of your projection for him and his prospects at the next level? Well, if we're going to answer it the way you framed it, where do we buy or sell them as being worthy of a second round pick? I will buy that for the reasons you stated. And yeah, when you're on an all-time historic, historically great basketball team, you're going to get a little more attention and Ayayi has been one of their glue guys for sure. He sacrifices his own numbers. Uh, he's a tremendous rebounder. You said he does the little things. He uh, plays a ton. He defends very well, uh, both on and off ball. Uh, and he's probably one of the best cutters in college basketball. He is such a great uh, kind of knack for slipping behind the defense back doors not necessarily a full speed cut he can just kind of disappear and end up with a backdoor layup uh great finishing around the rim and he can also take and make threes which he does with a plum um as far as nba role i i probably get a little closer to sell and it's nothing against him i just don't know if he does anything uh very well or well enough Uh, to set himself apart. Like we've talked about on this show uh, many times, if we think a guy's not going to make it in the NBA, it's not always because uh, we dislike them. It's just there's so many good players trying to get a roster spot. Uh, We just think there's, you know, there's people in front of them that are better or bring something uh, better to the table. And so 
with the Yai, I might have to sell on a large, or not even large, but a significant NBA role, even for a bad team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've got similar things written down on my notes, and I wanted to bring up a stat that I think I discussed, uh, it was months ago, but I just did some research looking back over past drafts, and I looked at guys that were either selected, you know, selected after the first round or signed as undrafted free agents, but did in fact become NBA role players. And I found that, you know, almost half of those guys that did end up making it, but weren't selected in the first round were between like six, five and six, eight. So they're kind of those wing size players that every team needs, but there's just not a great supply of them. And so a yeah, is kind of on the lower end of that where he is a bigger ish perimeter player, but I don't see him with the ability to check opposing like wings in the NBA he is a good shooter as well, but like you said, I've written down the same thing. Not sure if he does anything really well enough to carve out kind of a sure role in the NBA, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up hanging around kind of uh, at the end of somebody's rotation for a couple of years in the NBA. Yeah, I could see that after this season, if he is selected, uh, making a team, uh, I just don't know if it'll go any farther than that. All right, you have someone uh, that you would like me to buy or sell? Uh, yes, I do. So I'm sticking in line here with, I'm always searching for those wings, those 6'5 to 6'8 kind of bigger perimeter players. Every team needs them. So I'm always fascinated with trying to find those next guys in the draft. Cody, the next guy that I want you to buy or sell is Quentin Grimes out of Houston. He's had a nice tournament. Uh I'll set you up with some stats here. We talked about Suggs kind of regressing in terms of his shooting. Now, we don't put too much stock into percentages, but it is interesting to note that over his last 12 games, he's shooting over 48% on threes. And even more importantly is the volume where he's taking almost 10 per game, which is awesome. I love the form on his jumper. He's got that beautiful, high, smooth release. I feel like I mentioned Clay Thompson too much because I'm a Warriors fan, but that high kind of smooth release with that bigger guard, I love kind of that baseline of a player. Got good size at six foot five and can guard. So Cody, where are you on him? Do you buy or sell Quentin Grimes as a draft pick uh, and kind of go from there on what you think about him as an NBA player? Yeah, I absolutely buy him as a draft pick. He's a guy that's battled adversity, and he's having a great run with Houston right now. You talked about some of those shooting numbers. He is shooting a great percentage on a lot of volume. Uh, you love to see that. And I think he does have enough size and athleticism at 6'5 to not be uh, you know, a weak link on defense. And uh if you can shoot the ball like that, and he shoots it in a variety of ways, I absolutely think uh, you're worthy of being drafted, and I think you can carve yourself a role on a team. Uh, it's shooting for me always will be uh, um, probably the most significant skill that you can have. If you can shoot, it'll take you a long ways. Yep. I agree. I have him above Ayayi, and I just like the size. I love the shot, and I buy that. I've really enjoyed watching this Houston team, so I buy him for sure as a draft pick. And then in terms of his role, obviously nothing is sure, but I think there's a decent chance he ends up kind of at least in the you know top 10 of a rotation for a team for 
at least a few years in the NBA, which is all you can really ask for for a guy picked uh, kind of in the middle to late second round. Um, Cody, do you have uh, another guy that you want me to buy or sell? Yeah, so sticking to the wings, this guy is a bit different than Grimes, where he brings great defense, but the shot is a question mark. Herb Jones, what do you think? That was my next guy, too. This is awesome. We picked all the same guys, and that does not surprise me. So Herb Jones, to me, is another interesting one because, uh, Cody, I guess to throw it back at you, buy or sell, do you think he is the best defensive player in college basketball? I mean, I haven't watched, obviously, every player in college basketball, but in terms of at least guys that are realistic prospects, his length and his IQ and his physicality at 6'8", he was fantastic. And I guess a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think of Alabama as this fantastic offensive team. They got to where they were because they were the third-ranked defensive team in the country, and he was SEC Player of the Year because of that. Uh, did you Do you love his defense kind of as much as I do? Yeah, like you said, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And the 6'8 size, the length, you're right, it's there. But watching the film on him, he really is such a heady defender. Uh, he has great man-ball relationships. He's great at uh, stunting and showing cutting off drives, recovering back to his man and using that length. Uh, I I think he will absolutely get a shot in the NBA because of his, uh, his length and his defensive prowess. And I hope that three-point shot comes around. Uh, shot about 35% this year on 1.7 attempts per game, which was by far and away uh, his career high for three-pointers attempted per game. Uh, and he was in the 70s for free throw percentage this year, I believe around 73%. Uh, missed two crucial ones in that UCLA game, but uh, he'll get a shot because teams are looking for guys with that height and that length and uh, that mobility to defend NBA wings. And if that three-point shot can come around, he's going to be a great rotational player at the next level. Yeah, reminiscent to me, a little bit of Najee Marshall from last year, just in terms of the athleticism at that size, more so, you know, the quickness in the hands at six, seven, six, eight, not quite the shooter Najee Marshall was, but a better defensive player. And there was one defensive play from the sweet 16 game. Obviously they lost to UCLA, but he had a long closeout all the way to the corner. I think it was against Jules Bernard. So Bernard kind of pump fake drove by him. And he recovered, somehow got all the way back to the front of the rim and then had one of those Draymond Green-like verticality contests where he thwarted his attempt at the rim. And to be able to cover ground like that and to then finish it off with that verticality at the rim is just pretty special, something he showed often at Alabama. Uh, I just don't buy the shot. I don't really buy much offensively. I think he is a good passer but I, I just don't know what role he's going to play offensively in the NBA besides just kind of dunking when he's open. If he spots up, he nobody's going to respect him out there at all. Uh, so it's an uphill battle for him, but I would certainly love... He's one of my favorite players to watch over the last few years. He plays with more heart than almost anyone I've seen, so I, I'll be rooting for him. I just think with the limitations offensively, it's more than an uphill battle. Yeah, that shot's going to have to fall, just spotting up for sure. Well, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Draft Dummies. Interact with us there. Sam does a great job running that Twitter handle. 
we appreciate you guys listening. Sam, you have anything to add? No, just thank you as always, listeners. If you had a chance to listen, please leave us a review. And I'm always happy and excited to interact with people on Twitter. So thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs>